You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name is Valerie Koo and I am an author, journalist and interviewer and I'm here to talk with the wonderfully talented Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great Valerie, how are you going? I'm good, I'm good. What have you been up to? Oh my God, I can't believe it's been a whole week since we last spoke. Where, where, where is the time going? I don't know. I don't know. No idea. So I've had a day today in front of the computer and I think I've been fairly productive too. So I'm pretty proud of myself. What about you? What have you been doing? What have I been doing? Oh, yes, today was a pretty busy day and I tried to cap it off with attempting a workout, uh, which I then did and I felt like chucking at the end of it because I think... (laughs) <laughs> I overdid it and I was as I was walking home I got cramps so um maybe I'm not as fit as I think I am that's a, a sign of a good workout and probably you need magnesium in your diet I'd say Val okay thank mm. you for that tip <laughs> in naturopath too as well as photographer. Uh, yeah yeah that's right <laughs> so for those of you who are listening thank you for listening to episode five and for keeping up with us if you've just discovered us uh this podcast is meant to be for well obviously people interested in photography ranging from the enthusiasts who I represent I'm a enthusiast whereas Gina is the pro photographer and this is also for pro photographers who want to you know learn some of the things that Gina is going to be sharing over the course of the the the, the podcast series. Uh, Gina is one of Australia's most talented photographers and I've had the pleasure of working with her for a couple of decades now that goes to show you our age (laughs) but we started when we were three. Five. Don't lie Valerie it was five. very young anyway mm. and um, one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast is A, we just love talking, you know, stuff to each other <laughs> and B, a very selfish reason on my part, I get to ask Gina lots of questions about photography and C, Gina, why you want to, Why do you want to share your knowledge to, to everyone who's listening? Uh, because it's just time to give back I think so that's what I want to do now. And it's fun as well. It is. D, it's fun. <laughs> so I was, I was, um, you know, browsing around the internet, and I found an interesting link, which uh, you know, immediately made me read it because this happens to me a lot, and yep. it's on a blog called the Phoblographer. Oh my god! Is, Try saying yeah, that Phoblographer, <laughs> a bit of a tongue twister, yeah. and uh, it is on how to deal with skin that's too orange. Now I haven't actually shared this link with you because I'm giving you a little bit of a test because I've read this uh, this blog post, but I'd like to know from you how you think 
we can deal with skin that's too orange. And I'm particularly interested because that's happening to me a lot um, when I'm shooting other people, but also when I'm being photographed, I'm, we, we, we look at the shots and um, the, my skin is like really orange and often it's because I'm what I'm wearing or, or some other reason. What are your tips? So are you, are you wearing fake tan? No, I'm not wearing fake tan. I'm not because that's, being that's in. One of, that's one of my main uh, causes of orange skin is fake yep. tan. It's okay. that tandoori tan, I call yes, it. Yes, And so you're not doing that. So we can we can cancel that one out of the but list. But on that point, for those people who oh are doing God. tandoori tan, because oh. they and they stand next to somebody who hasn't got oh tandoori tan. Oh my God! And it really shows up. What do you do then? I. I have seen so I've seen them all over the years. It's because I do a lot of um, uh, events, and so people do yeah. tandoori up for those. Mm. And you, do you know the thing? Like, if you're going to wear it, make sure that you smooth it in really well. Okay. Okay. But because I see the streaks that people miss on the back of their legs and mm. under their arms, and uh, I, I've, I'm I'm yet to see one that looks. Um, any good at this stage but is there is it done really well like if you're shooting somebody with a tandoori tan Mm. is it is it a situation of they're just going to look orange or is there a way for you to correct that you can correct it in in post i've gone over tandoori i've fixed them up it takes a long time and it's a lot of extra work uh Mm. so look i'm a big fan of if if you have a beautiful white skin tone keep it because that is gorgeous it suits your eyes it suits the hair color um i i i vote to bring back the white skin tone mm, mm. i vote to so back to your question though. yes <laughs> on off on a tangent um what would you do to correct an orange skin tone so are you standing under anything that might be causing a cast or are the light is it the lighting so it could be say if you're shooting late in the afternoon the light, the light might be orange or if you're using are you lighting your shots the ones i'm shooting are yes i am actually so i, so, I do have some that i do realize it is because it's late in the afternoon and i've, I've realized that it's the sun that's causing it but yes i do have situations where i'm lighting my shots Okay, so sometimes if it's the lighting, the lighting needs to be, uh, the, the settings of the camera need to be changed to shoot the lighting. So if you're in daylight mm. and you're shooting with a, a tungsten light, which is a warm temperature light, mm. it's going to make you look orange. So you can correct that, but just by going into your camera settings and changing it to uh, tungsten instead of daylight. So there's a setting inside the camera that will change that. That's one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is, is it, if something you're wearing, if you're wearing red, yeah. that'll bounce up light into your face. Or if you stand under, say, a red awning, that'll reflect red light as well. Mm. Uh, and that'll cause the orange skin tone. So to counter that, uh, wear something blue instead. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And I love wearing red. So, yes, this is a bit of an issue with me. Ah, but in- yeah, you look good in red too. <laughs> so you just got to make sure that maybe you're in daylight when you wear red so that you don't get that orange cast. So I also found another uh, link on the internet called uh, on a, a blog called Picture Correct, and uh, it's called Eight Tips for Better Coastal Photography. Now I have to admit that this is not my forte at all. I go to you know the coast, I go to the beach, I go to lovely places on holiday, but then I attempt to take photos and the actual real life situation, the beautiful beach, the beautiful yeah. rocks, it just 
mesmerizing and stunning and the, just you know god clearly created that that <laughs> scene but i take my photo and i look at it and it's it's just so boring so i want to know what your tips are on you know better photography on of well it, i suppose on coastal photography because that's where you know the sea is just so angry sometimes and so amazing and so beautiful and so varied and yet I cannot capture that in my shot. I can give you three, Valerie. The first one I think you're going to love is you've got to get up early. I'm not doing <laughs> got to that. Get up early. So <laughs> it's not it's not you don't rock up to the beach at ten o'clock, Val. It's like no. no. It's like if you get there at six, six AM as the sun's rising, nah. you're going to get a really good shot. So if you get there early, the light's really soft and the difference between your your whitest white and your darkest dark is going to be a lot shorter, like a lot smaller difference. So your camera is going to be able to see all those colours. So you'll get a far more beautiful shot with a better tonal range mm. if you shoot early in the morning or sort of late in the evening at twilight. So they're the times that if you you stick to those times, you'll always get really beautiful shots. Uh, Another thing you can do is uh, try and get down really low when you're shooting so that you get like a lot of foreground in the shot, make it interesting, or the opposite way, have a lot of sky and a little bit of... uh, um, foreground. So you're working in your rule of thirds, so make it two-thirds sky and one-third foreground or two-thirds foreground, one-third sky. That makes it really interesting. But get down really low, shoot wide So do you mean, when you say get down low, do you mean, for example, right, or you don't mean shoot on the beach as opposed to the cliffs? What do you mean by low exactly? Well, yeah, yeah, come go down, get down right to the water level. Yeah, absolutely. If you're shooting down from the cliffs onto the water, that's not not as exciting. You can get right down on the beach and if you can find rocks there that that adds interest and then if you then add a tripod to to all of it and play with shutter speed you can really get some magic happening you get that lovely have you ever seen those landscapes where the water seems to look really silky yeah you know those ones that's because they're shot on a tripod and they will slow the shutter speed right down so that the movement um you, you get that movement in the water constantly and that's how you get that silky looking water they're long longer exposures i think i'm paranoid ever since i got sand in my camera yeah i know that's a real concern yeah and ever since then i've kind of like i'm not getting down in the sand i know those the point and shoot you know those point and shoots where the lenses those little compact cameras Mm. That's the that's the, the the most common way to ruin one of those mm. a grain of sand in the lens and it's like it's all over. Yeah. Right? But, I, well, it's but that's just part of it, I guess. Yeah. Keep your hands clean. Try not <laughs> to get them. I don't know. So, what I wanted to talk about this week, and I thought our listeners would be interested. I hope you guys are interested. Is location because when it comes to photography, we can get our shots right, we can get our subject right, we might even know how to pose a subject, but it kind of falls flat if we don't have the right location. So, what I wanted to talk about is um, I guess a a couple of different, well, a few different scenarios to get your insight and advice on, you know, just I I guess different scenario, common scenarios where people might, uh, should probably be thinking about their location a bit more than they should. So the first one I wanted to bring up was something that I deal with a lot and that is corporate shots. 
and, right. and I've dealt with it not only in terms of corporate shots uh, of, of myself, but when I was in PR, corporate shots of my clients, but also when I was in journalism, I had to deal with the corporate shots of the people who I interviewed because I interviewed a lot right. of business people. Yep. And I have to say, I mean, it is challenging because you go to these people's offices and they're horrendous. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the offices aren't they're horrendous. They're just boring. I mean, yeah. they're, they're quite lovely offices, but they're, they're stark, they're clinical, they've got grey walls. Uh, even if they do have a super fancy board, Room, yes. it's not anything that's visually arresting. It's just a super fancy boardroom with some fantastic catering and a yep. bar. So yep. it's, I think it's challenging to get a corporate headshot. So, in terms of a location, so what's your advice on that one as a start? Well, I think I want to start with just talking about how corporate headshots have changed a lot in the last few years, and they used to be there used to be this formula for corporate headshots where they had to be a certain way, and if you were in if you were a corporate, they had to be a bit more uh, structured, and uh, there was just a look about them. You you would know that look, sort of plain background, um, formal pose, very stiff looking. That was a corporate shot. Yeah, really boring. Uh, yeah, really boring, but that was what everybody had. But and full n- of grey-haired men. Grey-haired men, a hairline at the back, uh, often a little, uh, you know, a certain-looking background, and that's what they all look like. Luckily, that's all changed, and the lifestyle portraits come into it. So we've got a lot more we can play with uh, mm. when we're doing corporate portraits. So when I'm doing corporate portraits, I, I will always allow, if, if I've been booked for, say, 9 o'clock to start shooting, I'll always get there an hour, a good hour before, an hour and a half before if I've got to set up lights. And the first thing I do is I do a recce of the whole building. Right. And look around and it's just because you're shooting, say, the CEO doesn't mean you need to use the CEO's office. So look for other locations within the building that they might let you use for that shot. So I always look for the the three things that I'm looking for in a shot is the light, good light. If I can avoid setting up lights or I only have to supplement the good light that's coming into the into the shot, then that's a bonus for me. So, so it's looking for the good light first, so you find that, and then you want a clean and uncluttered background yep. that you can shoot on. So you're looking for maybe some, some buildings might have great textured walls, and that might be even if you go, you're outside. There might be a great textured wall that you can shoot up against outside and have them leaning against that. That always works. And the other thing I look for is depth of a shot, which means that I want to have... Oh, five plus meters behind them of, behind of, of the open background? space yes and that means because when i'm shooting uh, traditionally when i shoot portraits i like to use a longer lens mm. and when i'm using a long lens and i'm focusing on them it means that i can throw the background out of focus Okay. And that's going to add some interest and if i can throw the background out of focus enough the background's not going to matter and so I'll look for things of interest like some lights in the background and um, different textures really can add to make that shot really interesting rather than just if you were shooting that really sharp all the way through, then it's going to be dull and boring. So mm. I, I look for things. Uh, corridors often work. Mm. Long corridors. If you can have someone standing in the middle and you've got all those banks of lights running down the entire corridor, they can look fantastic because it draws your eye all the way into the shot. So that, that works really well. Mm. So it's, 
it's well and good to find the yep. uh, to to find the location, but CEOs and corporate people are often very self conscious. So if you're taking them out of their office yep. and you're putting them in another part of the building where other people can be looking yep. and stuff like that, yep. how do you deal with that? Okay, so if you've got if you've got the CEO that doesn't want to the non portable CEO, <laughs> non portable, yeah. <laughs> um, there's these there's these great things you can buy. They're, they're little portable backgrounds that, that they, they pop up like a, a reflector, so they're really portable. They're like a disc, and you can just keep them in your car and keep them flat. And you can buy white, black. You can even get them uh, fake background looking ones already printed on them, like a fake uh, brick wall or something. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're awesome. So um, perhaps for a corporate shoot, I wouldn't recommend the fake brick wall or, or the, the you, can, you can get the really cheesy ones that I've been looking for ages to find. You remember the ones that they used to have with the fake beaches on them? Yes. That they used to always use them at Clio and Cosmo. Yes. All those. Did you ever use those? Yes, we did. I just shot one for a cover. No, I've been <laughs> looking for one for ages. I took, the client was trying to source one not long ago and I couldn't find them. Oh. I really want one because I just want to do a whole stack of just for the fun of it. <laughs> I think so, we used it just because the studio that we hired had them. So yes, we, we, there was a particular studio that had it yes. and there was a, through the 90s, there yes. was like every other magazine cover was Absolutely. on this fake one. So, you know, <laughs> if you wanted to put your CEO in a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> you could have a beach background. But these little portable backdrops are fantastic. So say all he's got in his office are filing cabinets, yeah. which ugly or, or you could just pop that behind him and suddenly you've got like a nice white clean background and you might want to incorporate that with he may have uh, a window in his office if mm. he's the CEO he would mm. uh, and then you can use that window light as well just to add some interest so then you've got a way of creating a nice clean portrait and usually they're double-sided so you'll have white and black and so you could flip it over and, and try the black side and that could be used for, uh, you know, a different style of headshot as well. So I think they're really good to use. And then the other are, thing... Are they got, heavy? Are they heavy? No, they're like, they're like those pop-up reflectors, you know, oh, so really? they're light. Yes, and they pop up and you can get them, you can get all sorts of sizes, but you can get ones that are maybe a metre wide by a metre and a half. So it's enough to probably do a three-quarter shot, at, at, you know, at the very least a headshot. Yeah. And they're great. So, yeah, and they come in all different shapes, sizes. And then you can go further. There's companies that actually make, like, you could have a, a room behind you if you wanted, something that looked like <laughs> a room or the ocean or a cave or whatever you wanted. You can get them as green screens as well. Wow. Okay? And so then if if you then wanted to take the go to the trouble of putting your ceo into disneyland <laughs> okay if you whatever you wanted to you could you could green, green screen the green screen cut him out put him wherever you wanted to do in but all the, the all the could, cities that the company is meant to be based in so and pretend that oh, exactly, exactly. so you could give him that that powerful city background you know shot as well so um well, and the, the uh, so yeah i think we should put the link in the show notes of where we where you can buy these yes so we'll, yes Definitely do yep. that. Sure thing. The other thing you can do is if you've got a boring background is the fast lens, which is something like a 1.2 or a 1.4 lens. So I've got an 80, uh, a Canon 85 1.2 lens and shooting on that means that it doesn't matter where. You could be shooting him in a toilet 
and it wouldn't happen. <laughs> no one would know. If the light was good in a toilet, I've shot in a toilet because the light was good. You've shot in a toilet? Yeah, I have. I just, like, I don't care where I am. The light's good. I'll, br- I'll bring the CEO in and go stand there. Just, Who just did watch you shoot the- in a toilet? Just stand in the unit room. Watch, don't get your feet wet. <laughs> the light's really good. Don't move. But that may- using a, um, a, a, an 85 1.2 it doesn't matter where you are every background looks amazing and and you can there's also um if you if you're just a beginner and you're getting into photography there's a lens the 51.4 really cheap lens to buy uh does a similar thing it'll throw the background out of focus and uh perfect for those situations you know if you sometimes you're doing a shoot in someone's house and it's just really cluttered removes all the clutter straight away so uh, lens choice will do that so in um in the world of journalism and magazines and newspapers the the traditionally the business pages have been peppered with the boring corporate headshot but yeah. some of the more forward thinking publications are doing much more interesting shots these days which i love mm. uh, because it it just brings the story to life and they're kind mm. of they're kind of lifestyley and and they're for example you know the tech entrepreneur they're yep. they're against graffiti or they're in uh, a, an alleyway or that yep. sort of thing. So what kind of – and that's very specific to the startup yep. and tech space, but for regular corporate uh, corporate shots that want that to have that lifestyle element, uh, what what ideas do you have on that? Well, the trend that I've been seeing and, and, and something that I've been using lately is to do a more fly-on-the-wall shoot with them. So it feels like if you're looking at that shot, we just happened to be there and as he was, the, the CEO just happened to be doing something and right. we happened to take a shot, even though it's <laughs> beautifully styled, his tie is perfect, yes. his hair is immaculate and the light just happened to be oh so amazing in that one spot. Yeah. And then I will get them to uh, go through a scenario over and over again so I can capture that you know lifestyle just happened to be their shot so what I might do is is take them to a, to a cafe right so so often if it's a really big uh, company that they'll have their own cafe down there yep. or there'll be one next door and so you just have them sipping a coffee and, and laughing off camera those shots usually uh, work really well mm. the one that I use uh, I think we when you say sorry last... when you say laughing off camera do you mean laughing at something? Laughing at something off, off camera, camera? La- laughing at nothing. Uh, right. the, the, like I've got a petit- We will do an entire show of all the things I do to get people to do exactly what I do. But just okay. To, but just to, for for this one, I will say to to the CEO, okay, see that guy over there. I'll, I actually might put someone in his eye line mm. and maybe an assistant to stand there. Okay, I want you to look at that person now. I want you to laugh at them. Laugh at nothing, and I can crack a joke and I can make them do that. So just <laughs> in the setup, when I'm explaining it and the first line, I can usually get the shot by then because I'll I'll say something. And and the other thing that I do is I laugh with them. Yes. And <laughs> once I'm doing that, everyone cracks up because they're all embarrassed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm laughing like a mad woman. Yeah. <laughs> and so there, there's a moment where it's really awkward, but then about 20 seconds in, everyone is genuinely laughing. Mm. It actually it works really well. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. I remember ages ago, and I was being filmed for a documentary and you know when you're being filmed for a documentary you think you've got to be serious and yes. you think you've got to put your best face forward you know in the corporate world and um the 
but the producer of it, so there was a camera person, but the producer yeah. stood right there and um, he had this, I just thought you're nuts, you know, at first because he had this inane grin on his yeah. face and yeah. he just kept nodding and nodding and nodding, yeah. nodding with this inane grin yeah. and he just looked crazy. Yes. But uh, what it did was made me smile as yes. I was talking and and he, he got the result that he needed but it was a great learning experience for me because since then that's that's what I've done. I've had the inane grin and I look crazy. Right behind the camera, yes. yeah, and that's so important because we forget as photographers it's like if you if you smile at anyone, they will smile back at you and even if they're really grumpy, they will smile back at you. So so they will mirror what you're doing and that's actually a really good way to make another person feel comfortable if you mirror what they're doing. So you should always, if you want them to smile, you need to be smiling behind the camera, so that yeah. that really helps. We'll do we'll do an entire show on that, Val, for sure. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So so the other the other thing you can do for that corporate lifestyle thing is uh, outside of the cafe, the walking shot, and this is so good for um, you get those people that are just awkward. Mm. It does it like there's some people that you can tell them once. Here's what I want you to do: sit here, and they'll do it. They'll just bang, go straight into it. There's other people. It's a lot harder. It's, it's like they just—they're just awkward. They're shy or something. So you need to give them something to do. So the simple act of getting them to walk towards the camera, you suddenly, in the matter of you can fire off ten frames as they're walking towards you, and you, and I, I always give them something to do with their hands because that's the hardest thing for people. So I'll either get them to maybe put their hands in their pockets or you know. Um, hold something in their hands as they're walking towards me or rub their hands together or even be buttoning up their jacket as they're walking towards me and that makes a great shot and that particularly works well if you say have three or four partners that you've got to shoot together and you can either do that awkward shot where they're all standing awkwardly next to each other not knowing how close to stand that those shots can always look a bit wrong because yeah. it's like no one knows where to put their hands no one knows how close to stand and the body language can be wrong having them walking towards you is is just a great way to relax everyone and then again you can i always find someone who i think might be able to tell a story and get them to tell a story and get the other three to to listen to the story being told as they're walking and so you've given them so many things to do yeah. that they forget they're nervous they're just concentrating on walking and talking at the same time and you'll you'll definitely get a good shot out of that. And are you actually, are they walking towards you on a tripod yes. at this stage or are you walking yes. backwards? Oh, no, no. <laughs> so I'm, I'm static on tripod mm. and I'll have, I will shoot this long. So again, I want to make sure that in the background isn't the hero here. I want the mm. people to be the hero. So I'm definitely throwing the background out of focus and I'm probably actually even lying on the ground because with, with... Really? Yeah, with corporate portraits, you actually want to make people appear more powerful Okay, mm. so if, if you shoot from below, they're going to be towering over you. Suddenly, they look powerful. Mm, great so tip. I always shoot down low for that, and I'll either be maybe sitting on a stool and shooting that low, or I'll even be lower than that and 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 shooting like lying on the ground. I've never thought of that. Yeah, so that works really well. Okay, so let's move on to something quite different to corporate yep. shots, so to another scenario, and that is because I know that you've done quite a few actors' headshots in yes. your time. thousands. <laughs> so what's, I mean, actors' headshots, the kind of actors' headshots that I'm used to seeing are the kind 
you know, that are shot in a studio. They're black and white. They, mm. their, their clothes are very neutral. It's very mm. much focused on their face. Is mm. that what it's like these days? So actors' headshots, like the corporate headshot, has changed again in the last 10 years and, again, everything seems to be more relaxed. And this is a trend that came out of L.A. where they started shooting uh, the, the, the actors' headshots a lot more lifestyle And how they originally... Like, actors' headshots used to be all in black and white. Yeah, Do you remember? Absolutely. Everyone had a black and white. Do you know why that was? No. They were cheaper. Oh. That was it. Because... Before digital, actors had to have like a certain amount of eight by tens, yeah. that they would, and they would hand them out to all the. And I remember this because I made a lot of money when I was starting out. It was <laughs> such a good way to start out as a newbie photographer because you would do book a portrait session session with an actor, yeah. and then they'd order fifty prints, yeah. from you, mm-hmm. and they'd pay per print. They, I was paying; they were, they were paying me fifteen dollars a print. So it was yeah. always like one headshot. You'd, you'd do pretty well out of it. And so basically, to get black and white printed was much cheaper than color. So that's how the right. black and white headshot originated. And so sometime around, you know, the introduction of digital, people realise that hang on, I don't need to have black and white headshots anymore. Mm-hmm. I can go with color. And then they realise that hey. We should be able to see the whole actor as well, not just their head. We yeah. see what their, their body looks like as well. So they started really freeing them up and making them a lot more lifestyle looking. And then there was all these photographers that started coming in and didn't want to shoot lighting inside a studio because they just look so stiff. Yeah. So they started shooting a lot more daylight with their headshots and they'd be shooting outside and different locations. So... It pretty much still follows a similar formula, but we're not shooting, we're not seeing as many uh, studio headshots. And if they are done in studio, they're done shooting, a lot are done using natural light as well and still using uh, plain, uncluttered uh, backgrounds as well. Now, my guess would be that if you're shooting an actor, I suspect that an actor is going to be less self-conscious than a CEO <laughs> because they're used to being in front of the camera. Is that is that the case? I I find that actors are really as a as a general rule really nervous in front of the camera because they're used to the moving camera and they're used to having something to do. So when it comes to having a still taken, right. they're really nervous. So I find that the best thing to do with actors is like I wouldn't bring them out into a public place to have them photograph because right. they'll be they'll 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 be really nervous. So so you want to try and find a location. So it's kind of great to have uh, something like a studio to shoot in or mm. or, or a, you would need, at least need a base. Uh, so I remember when I was starting out and, and before I had a studio, we would shoot from, from home. I had like a home office which was uh, clo- close by and I had a special uh, area set up where we at least had a base and we had the makeup artists would come in yeah. and, and do the hair and makeup. That was our base. We had all the clothes. We could look at them, have a coffee, get everyone relaxed and then head out on, on, onto the location which may be just down the stairs yeah. and, and, you know, around the corner in, in, in a little private secluded place. Okay. Mm. And so when it's um, another scenario, I know that a lot of people love having photos of their kids. Kids. Yep. Family portraits, <laughs> some family portraits are quite bizarre looking, but, you know, particularly <laughs> kids, people spend money 
on on photos of their kids or, or kids with the family. So what sort of because the, the the thing that comes into your head is oh well you'll probably shoot them at home. Yeah. Now is because they're most comfortable there. That's yep. where you know. Where do you think are the best locations for kids and family portraits? Well, when I do, and I don't do many, but when I do kids or family portraits, I shoot them the same way I do a model's portfolio. I treat the whole shoot exactly the same. So when I'm doing a model's folio shoot or a kid's or a family portrait, I will uh, shoot on location because I think it, it, it takes everyone out of their, you know, happy comfort zone and I know that I can control the light and what the background's going to look like. And, it, and unless they've got like a house that's amazing and yeah. huge and yeah. I've got lots of room and lots of light, yeah. I'll always take them out on location. So I'll scout a good location. And the things that I look for when I'm looking for a location is – and right now I've done this for 25 years, Val. I've got a list of go-to locations. Yeah. Just like I've got a list of go-to poses. Yeah. They're like all there because I've done it enough times. Yeah. But, so, but if I was starting out and this was like my first shoot, I, I would try and scout ahead of time before because I've, I've actually seen photographers do this where they've got a, like someone and they'll drive around looking for a location on the day of the shoot. Yeah. And go. Let's go. No, I know. that doesn't quite work. Yeah, they, and you have you had? That oh, experience? absolutely. I've been with photographers who do that, and it drives me bonkers. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that. I would try and and even if you aren't don't have anyone to shoot, but one day you will start collecting locations. So if you're looking, if you're out driving or out walking or out riding, and you see an amazing wall photograph it and mm. note down where it is. If you see uh, an amazing laneway, photograph it. Mm. A pier, a grass, long grass, all those things that make amazing locations. And, and the, thing that, the thing that I look for for a good location mm. to do a number of shots in, say if I've got a family or a model and I want to get four or five shots done in a half a day or a day, I look for a location where I can get four or five different shots mm within a minute of each other. Yeah. And I've found a lot of these because I often get a lot of shoots where I might get um, a celebrity and we'll get, say, two hours and I have to pull out five or six shots in that time because they need to go back to set. Yeah. So that's why I've managed to find all these locations so at least I can get variety because they don't want to come back and have the same four shots, the same four backgrounds because then they can't give them to different magazines. Yeah, so that's why I've had to do that. So scout locations and like the, the, I've got one that I use all the time and we've worked there together, Val, and it's, it's a beach. Oh, yeah. It also has a pier. It's got sand. It's got oh, yeah. grass. There's a boathouse. There's under the pier. There's a cafe and then there's textured walls. Yeah. Right, so out of that, you get so many different shots and and within a minute of each other. And you also m want to make sure that uh, you you have th stuff like parking nearby so so everyone's not – you don't lose everyone for an hour because it's like they could never find a park. Yeah. And then there's a spot where – a clearly obvious spot where you meet everyone. Yeah. Right? And I think that because um, not everyone has the benefit of that lovely pier that you go to, Gina. Yep. And I, I guess the the key elements are really if you have some kind of 
building yes. and and a, and a but a nice a building with textured walls really yep. Yep. so that might be a warehouse it might be yep. a um an, an old building or yep. or a heritage building just something yes. that's that's not an you know a boring office kind of building yep. um but that building ideally is near land and water <laughs> yeah. in the ideal to, world <laughs> it doesn't always need to be near water and, and mm. you know so there's 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 lots of um it depends it also depends on where people live you know well, we i should say some... <laughs> I, I guess i i guess land and something interesting of nature yes it could be trees it could be water it could be sand it could be wheat <laughs> you just want to have options and a really good activity to do and not necessarily you don't do it on the day of the shoot but just in anticipation of your next shoot is when you're doing these location reccees bring a friend with you yeah. and uh have a play around with with the camera and take some shots and and you'll be surprised at how the backgrounds come up and some that you think wouldn't be that amazing suddenly when you photograph them they look fantastic and also remember that uh, to to go to the actual location you want to shoot at at the time you're going to be there the oh, next yeah. day, because I have had surprises where I've thought, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine, and we get to the location and suddenly the sun's on the I've, I've misread where the sun should be, yeah, and you can't do the shot and you have to go to Plan B. I scouted a location once, which was the most perfect location. It was some near. It was a, a swimming pool, um, but you know, one of those rock pools at yeah. the beach. And it was, but this was for a um, a television show, and uh, I didn't go at the right time of day. Uh-huh. So we all descended on there: the talent, oh. the photographers, the makeup artist, oh. me, the everyone, <laughs> right? And we to to go and start shooting this this segment but we didn't realize that at the time that we went because I went at the wrong time when I scouted it there was this generator (laughs) that was the loudest thing you could possibly imagine and we had to give up and we had to actually go find a whole other location in a real hurry which unfortunately didn't quite suit you know the, the the segment but there was no other choice because we had to shoot that day. But that was my mistake because I didn't scout the location at the to- at the right time of day. Yep. Anyway, oh, that's mistake. <laughs> so frustrating. I learned. That's, that, well, it's ha- it happens to everyone. Mm. Um, so be careful of generators. <laughs> yeah, be careful of generators. Now let's move on to something that is, um, oh gosh, just one of those things with photography: the weather. You know, where it's it's so photography is so dependent. Success in photography is so dependent on the weather, and that's why you know, with editorial, you can book a model, you can book hair and makeup artists, but really, it's it's a weather hold mm. because it's only going to go through, and it's it's just accepted. It's only yep. going to go through if the weather is is right. Yep. So I want to talk about uh, and ask you. What are the your plan Bs? You know when you're shooting, and suddenly the heavens open. I know. Or something well, like that. my last shoot with you, Valerie. <laughs> yes. It poured all day. It was horrendous. It. I've never seen rain like that mm. in Melbourne. It rained and rained and rained, and we had the rain radar out. We had friends tracking the rain for mm. us. It's clearing. It's clearing. It didn't clear. Never clear. So the entire day was Plan B. Yes. <laughs> but it worked out well. So t- why don't you share some your tips with Plan so, B? So the good news is Plan B can work 
and you can get amazing shots in the rain. So firstly, um, work with the rain if you can. What do and, you mean and, by work well, with the rain? Shoot in the rain and get because because you're not going to you get the most amazing reflections in the ground when the ground's wet. So if you're doing a portrait of someone in, in, in the rain and you're only going to do one shot, then use it. And I've done that before, and I've 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 always asked that it be the last shot if it's pouring outside, and we've all gone out <laughs> into the rain, and the stylists hate me yeah. for it. Hate me, and I'm like, it's the last shot. They're like, he's not going to wear the shoes. He can't wear the shoes because they don't want to get because they're the most expensive things on the shoot. Yeah. So the talent always has to take the shoes off. But we get the, we get those shots in the rain. <laughs> so I will do them. And what I make sure I do, and then there's other scenarios where I have to shoot in the rain. Like uh, I was, if I'm ever working on a, a TV show, if I'm ever doing stills, they shoot rain, hail or shine. Yeah. You've just got to get out there and stand in the rain. So I've actually invested in a raincoat for my camera. A raincoat for your it's camera? It's a special <laughs> raincoat. And when it's raining, I put his little raincoat on. It's very cute and it Velcros up and he's all snug and the rain cannot get in. Is now, this I've an actual a, real, raincoat designed the for the camera di- or is this one yes. of these things that you've no, MacGyvered? It's not, it's not a MacGyver one. I thought to, I had MacGyver ones. I've actually been to A-list events, Valerie, and I've rocked up with a garbage bag <laughs> over oh, my camera. Oh, my God. It's gone through the marquee oh. going, please don't look at me. I know it's to go with that and not even a sexy black one i've got the green one (laughs) okay but now you've got a proper raincoat but but i've got this is for my camera so it actually goes yeah i didn't think you were wearing the garbage bag on yourself no 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 and (laughs) i put the garbage bag over my camera bag so that's protected because you got to get from the car to the venue and you want to protect your gear so that that means you can actually step because most cameras are rated as water resistant yeah doesn't mean you can actually jump into a pool with the camera it, <laughs> it, it's not going to work the more professional ones the ones that like you, the pro level cameras have all the extra seals on that's what you're paying all the extra money for so they're actually designed they say that you can technically stand out in the rain for a bit and your camera is going to be all right okay but I get nervous, and so that's why I put the I put the little raincoat on it. Yeah, and the other thing uh, that you ne- really need to make sure. So if you want to get that shot in the rain, well worth it because it's beautiful. Is um, is to there's these little things that you can get uh, in vitamin um, b- bottles. You know those little um, they're like the silica bags. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's in um, when you have pills and tablets and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, th- put those in your camera bag because they're, they're used to soak up moisture. That's what they're for. Maybe finish the vitamins first. <laughs> right? But if you're taking, if you're taking um, vitamins, save them. Don't throw them out okay. and put them into your camera bag. So put one with each lens and just keep them in there because they're going to help so- soak up the moisture. And always make sure that when you get back home, um, open up the bag, take everything out, and maybe, like if it's winter, put it near so, so, so where it's going to get some warm air and let everything dry thoroughly because you're going to, um, uh, you, you might get mold yeah. uh, in your camera, and that's it. So I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I'll put a link in the show notes to my raincoat. Please do. My camera raincoat. I'm it's curious. Cute. It's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing for the camera bag is rather than using a garbage bag, um, and you know you're going to be out in the elements, maybe get another bag to put your bag into. 
Right, yeah. Okay, so and and one that's a bit more waterproof. A lot of the professionally made camera bags do have little raincoats that you can pull out over them, but they're they're kind of flimsy and I, I don't that they, they don't actually uh, protect your bag that well. So yeah. just to play it safe, it's like, there's a lot of money in that gear. You want to protect it, but you also want to be able to have the option of shooting outside. Mm-hmm. And so, what if it's just too torrential, and yep. you've got to get the shot that day? So there's option B. You, there's always got to be an option B. So cafes are great for getting shots and obviously you're going to ask permission beforehand. Don't just rock up and start shooting yeah. not like that. And so I've always found that if I've gone up and asked nicely and make sure that I'm not a pain and if you're going to do this stuff, then you're not going to be rocking up with a crew of 20 and, you know, maybe avoid having tripods and things like that and bothering the other patrons. But yes. just go in, ask permission and, and shoot in a cafe. Mm-hmm. That often works really well. Strip shopping centres are perfect for shooting in the rain because you've actually got the benefit of the light oh. and and you're protected and you're sheltered from the rain as well. What do you so mean strip shopping centres? You mean... So, so, so you know the shopping centres where you've got lots, lot, they're they're not they're not a mall, it's not a mall, but it's lots of lots of stores next to each other, and they've all got eaves. Just uh, shops on the cup, road. Shops on the road. They're called mm-hmm. strip. Okay, shopping yeah, okay. <laughs> is, that, is that called something else in Sydney? Where strip, strippers uh, converge or something? Have I named it wrong? It's funny you should say that because my local strip shopping centre is. I, I live in this you know boring suburb in Sydney, but. They happen to use it for the set of Underbelly set in King's Cross. Oh, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, they, really? they, I didn't know they that. Shot that at, they shot the television series at night on this, our suburban streets of our strip shopping centre, but they converted the you know local 7-Eleven or whatever to stripper oh, <laughs> places. So, so, to... So, so, so it really is a strip yeah, shopping so, centre. Anyway, no, well, I'm not talking aside. about that kind of strip shopping centre. No, okay. Um, so th- but they're fantastic and they have saved me so many times. So maybe a good idea to find out where they are nearby mm, mm. And, and just keep that in your – that could be a good – save that for a rainy day pile. See what I did there? Yeah. And then <laughs> car parks. Car parks. Fantastic. Yes, but car parks. They're, so, they're full be- of cars. No, because sometimes you can like if you go right up to the top. Generally, people aren't going to be bothered to park at the very top. Now, if you're going to go into the center of a you know major city, then maybe. But if say you're shooting on a weekend or it's like a little later in the day, you may probably find a little nook or cranny in the car park where you can use the 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 grey concrete rendered wall as a background, and then you've got the other amazing thing about car parks is the light in there is phenomenal because you've got those big um cutouts where the light comes in yeah yeah and then it goes into darkness and you remember how i gave you that tutorial on garage lighting bell for your videos which we'll do here on the show but that light is beautiful for shooting in so and you're protected from the elements i would never have thought of a car park I want to shoot yeah. in a car park now. Can we go shoot in a car park? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's oh. like an, an an awesome location to shoot, and uh, I'm surprised a lot more people don't. I've done I've done quite a few shoots in car parks actually. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the others is uh, uh, warehouses and oh, of uh, course, warehouses yeah. are awesome. Yeah, yeah, as city buildings because uh, they often have what do you like mean, large. City well, large city buildings where like public buildings often have large overhangs and, and like things the like that. Town where hall. You 
things like that and libraries, museums. And, like, I, I can't go into all of this without saying that uh, depending on the city that you live in, uh, it goes without saying that you check if you need to have um, a permit to shoot at of these course. places. And throughout the world they're all different, so it's a whole other show to describe what you need to do. But yes. just uh, be beware of all of that sort of stuff. And I know we've kind of glossed over it, but I, I double-check before you just rock up to these places. Yeah, it is a so, whole other show. It is a whole other show. So... so so there's lots of places that you can protect yourself from the elements and the wind and the rain and still get your shot on the day. So, you know, you have your plan A and then you've got your plan B. So I know I've made, I've referred to the fact that you're a bit of a MacGyver and I really do think that you're the female version of MacGyver because I've I seen... I so love that. That makes me so happy <laughs> to hear that on a T-shirt that says that on the front. I am the female MacGyver. Okay. <laughs> because I'm... MacGyver. MacGyver. Calm down, Gina. <laughs> um, because I've seen you, you know, just create stuff out of the crap that you've got <laughs> surrounding you. Um have you ever been in a situation where you've had to instantly create something to make the shot work because the location is so boring? Yes, and I do, and I actually have uh, my MacGyver kit, a collection of stuff for just times like that. So you, I've built it up over the years, but I think I've done stuff like uh, paste newspaper to a wall to use that as a background if the wall was really ugly and newspaper oh. as a background actually makes a really interesting background, makes oh. it suddenly really cool and you just glue it all up there. Oh, my God, uh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. Yeah, the, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the other thing that I've done is I've actually um, got canvas and you can buy it really cheaply from these wholesalers that you can buy material from and you can get really wide pieces of canvas. You mean like art canvas? Yeah, art canvas, but you can get like very wide sheets. So you want it to be wide enough to make a backdrop that you can have several people on. Mm. And I've got several different sizes. I've got them big enough that because I, I initially started getting them made because my roll paper backdrops were never big enough to have a whole set of uh, a whole cast of yeah. 30 people on. Yeah. So I, ma- I started making my own where I'd get plain canvas because the cost to buy them is ridiculous. So I painted my own. You just get canvas and canvas paint and just slap it on and then you've got a background. So you can make mini ones that are just enough for one person that you could take on location and just hang up. If you don't have that, have a sheet in your car at all times. But isn't it all creased? A a white sheet, right? Right. Maybe iron it and fold it. Oh, you can blow it out. Yeah, you know, right. and then, and then um, if you've got a really uh, ugly background, pin it up or stick it up to the wall and there's your white background. I guess it goes to show how often I iron my sheets. Yeah, and uh, that works really well, really well. Okay. As, it's just like I, I think you should just have one in your kit as well as a black one that size mm. and so you can use that to black out a window if you don't want the light coming in. Mm. The other really, really good thing that I have a whole collection of is just keep different coloured materials. And every time, so if you if you find uh, there's lots of uh, big fabric discount stores yeah. or even fabric stores, and like you join their mailing list, so you find out when they have their sales. And when they're having a sale, go and they'll have like remnants um, boxes. But what size material is 
you know, because you don't, you can't just have bits of material. What size material do you think well, is, you, is you the can ideal have, size? You, so, so it's kind of potluck when you go and, and find the, the remnants because they might have, like, what's the standard? Because I am a complete fish out of water. I've never felt so incompetent in my life as I feel when I'm in a fabric store because they've got a tone about them, those women. <laughs> They don't like me because I don't understand sewing and they, they, they roll their eyes. They're not even subtle about it when you ask them a question. Have you ever been to one of those stores? Oh, yeah. They don't even talk to me because... They're, they're really mean. And I go out of there and I feel like two, two feet tall and it's like it takes all my courage. So, so summon up the courage and if you can sew, good on you because you can go in and sort of swagger into the store to get your fabric. <laughs> And you go in and those remnants and they'll have like uh, offcuts of like old um, curtain material with all the patterns on it. That makes an amazing backdrop. So but I've got a how whole big? collection how of those. Big, you know? Well, they come in standards. So they're like two metres wide. I think you can get all 1.8 metres and then you can get smaller ones. And sometimes you can just buy offcuts that are just enough to use as a background for a headshot. Yeah. And sometimes you can get them that are big enough to, to do for two people. And if you're handy with a sewing machine... You can sew a couple together and then make a bigger background if you want. And then they fold down and you can have like five or six backgrounds and it doesn't take up much, very much space at all. And that's something that you can even have as a separate kit and just keep that in your car to you take on any, location. Do you have any um, tips like on what you have in your kit? Because uh, when you go to Spotlight or a fabric shop, there's heaps of different types of materials. So, so what are so some I've, essentials? Well, well, I went through a phase where, uh, do you remember in the mid, uh, like, I think mean around mid-2000s, like 2004, 5, 6, I think that was my wallpaper era and everyone oh, yeah. was photographing people on wallpaper. Yeah. Absolutely. And so all the shoots that we were doing, like all the networks were going to all the expense of getting walls wallpapered just for a couple of shots. Mm. And I'm like, why don't we just get material backgrounds? And so then we started sourcing these uh, um, curtains. And so I was getting um, curtain fabrics that looked like wallpaper. Right. So all different colours. So they had like patterns and, and then I just got block colours. So I, I collect blues and uh, reds and greens. Does and the texture matter or don't you see it? So, so sometimes you can get like a, a green curtain fabric that will have like a, a brocade yep. print in it as well. And sometimes you'll see it, sometimes you won't. And sometimes it's just to have a, a, a block colour in the background where you may only have a grey, an ugly grey wall, mm. you know. So just just keep a collection. They will come in handy okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Spotlight. But actually the first thing I'm going to do is that newspaper tip because obviously, I mean, I run the Australian Writers' Centre so it makes a lot of sense for us to be shooting some of our stuff that'd make against a really newspaper. Cool, that would make a really cool background. Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah, really cool. Now, I know that you went to Hawaii not that long ago and, well, you're always jet-setting somewhere. I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> but uh, And you do shoots and you did quite a few shoots in Hawaii but you one of the things that you just said earlier was that it's important to scout your locations and to make sure that you've done it beforehand and you're not driving around so on the day going oh should we go there oh no it's not quite right oh whatever you know so what happens when you're in an unfamiliar location because I suppose when I've gone on location I've always been with a photographer who's either local 
or yeah. and who's done it before. So I, I'm flying blind. I haven't been able yeah. to scout the location. Yep. Um, what do you do then if you're shooting somewhere else? Well, if if I'm just going, I know I'm going to basically land and have to go straight to the location yeah. and shoot. What I do is Google, <laughs> Google the location. <laughs> and do you know about Google where you can you put that little man and he walks on? What's it called? Where you Google Google Maps? Street View. Street View. <laughs> the little man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he Street View <laughs> is fantastic. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So what I did, um, so for that uh, Hawaii shoot that you were talking about yeah. and, and I knew I, I had to basically get off the plane and then I think the next day I was shooting, I knew where the hotel I was staying in. So I looked it up, got street view and you can actually walk all the way down the street, walk <laughs> around the block. I, little man and I <laughs> walked all around the block and I found right next to the hotel that I was staying, we were, we were on the beach, uh, th- there was like the racks of surfboards that they keep mm. uh, on the beaches in Hawaii that are so cool. I'd never seen it before and I'm like, oh, my God, that's where I'm going to shoot. Mm. You know, I knew where the sun was going to be and it was really cool. So basically landed and, and did the shoot. So I've done that a few times for, for shoots where uh, I know that I wasn't going to get a chance to, to go and have a look and you can do a really good recce. It's a really cool way to do it. Who would have thought? <laughs> Gosh, okay, what else? Do you just only rely on Street View and the Little Man where you go hand in hand walking What's down the street? What's his name? I want to know what his you name is. You can give him a name. Wayne. Okay, Wayne. Now, it has to be G, a G word. Wayne. Greg. Greg. I'll just let everyone know that um, Gina's a dog. He, his name is Gary. Oh, it could be Gary. No, I can't say Gary because no, he'll no, go no, 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 under no. the desk. He's, yeah, his no. name is Gary. So, yeah. um, yes, Gina obviously has a certain preference for certain types of names. Gaza and Wayne. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, the other thing you can do is uh, Flickr is an awesome site for finding locations because right. what you do is you'll, uh, you can uh, enter the location that you're going to into Flickr and uh, it, it all the shots that have been done in that location will come up yeah. and it's a great way to scout that location because you'll see um, all the different uh, vantage points of that particular location and you might find a way that it was shot that you never... Oh, so if you went down the other end of the pier around the corner, yeah. there's this old shack there. Didn't know it was there, but, but Flickr tells you. So it's wow. a really good way to scout locations. So different. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So what about like that's – I completely understand that, Flickr and Street View, but how about – you know, one of the other things that you said earlier was doing the location scouting at the time of day that you want to shoot so that you know yep. the light. How can you know the light if you just got off the plane? Well, there's there's actually – there's there's apps that you can use off your phone that will do that for you. So, so the first thing that I'll always check is uh, the sunrise and the sunset times. Yeah. But there's also there's these really cool apps that will show you uh, if you put the location that you're going to be in, it'll show you where the sun's going to be at that particular point of that time of day. Cool. So you can go, we're going to shoot, say, in this uh, particular building. Uh, is the sun going to be uh, 
in front of us or behind us or where will it be? So there's there's a couple of really good ones that, that I think you pay for them. Uh, what we'll are they We'll put called? those in the show notes as well. There's the photographer's ephemeris. Right. And Sunseeker is another good one. So they show you, you know, where how the sun moves around and they've cool. got a compass so you can know exactly where you go. So they really help um, even if you do know where the location is because the thing is if you do a shoot in November – the sun will be somewhere, yeah. but at the same time, you know, in six months later, it's going to be in a completely different spot yeah. at a completely different time. So this will help you with that. There's an app for everything. There is, <laughs> there is an app for everything. Well, I, look, I'm, I've learned lots already in this podcast, in this episode, but it, we, we're coming up to time now. So this brings us to the end of episode five but I could actually talk forever with you (laughs) I feel like we've been talking for 29 years already Um, so we'll have to save a few things for episode six and beyond but uh, for those of you who um, uh, are listening to the podcast we would love your feedback if you could let us know what you think uh, email us at news at GinaMilitia.com. We'd love to hear what uh, you think about the podcast and what you'd like to hear more of or what you'd like to hear less of. Google man, <laughs> Google man, yeah, what's his name? Yeah, we can run a competition to name yeah, Google who, man. What, name Google man. <laughs> if you have the time, 30 seconds of your time, to give us a rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it because that is really help us with the rankings and then we can, um, you know, hopefully bring you more fantastic episodes. Uh, if you'd like to follow Gina on uh, Twitter or on social media, where, where are you, Gina? I'm at, at Gina Militia on all the social, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And you can search for Gina Militia Photography on Facebook. Gina's website is ginamilitia.com and you can find out more about Gina and also look through her shots and her portfolio, but also uh, get a free ebook um, about uh, getting the right shot and some post post-production photography which is a great ebook i know because i've read it <laughs> and google man on the cover google man is not on the cover stop <laughs> with the google man so on that note <laughs> thank you so much for listening uh you'll find the show notes at ginamilitia.com and uh, we'll chat to you next week thanks everyone thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer for more information free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.